Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 281 of Cyclocross Radio. On today's show, we are talking about last weekend's UCI race in the U.S. that took place in Northampton, Massachusetts. Then we are also going to talk about the World Cup in Bexa Bergen and also Neil and uh, touch on a lot of other subjects. It was a good conversation with Zach and also Michael, so stay tuned for that. No real sponsor this week. Uh, I just want to thank all of you for supporting the Wide Angle Podium Network, supporting the CX Hairs Bulletin. It's been another tough week for cycling media in the U.S. and globally. Uh, a lot of people losing their jobs as cycling media continues to shrink. So that you all continue to support what we do here is huge and i cannot thank you enough we are a tiny little niche part of a niche sport of cycling and uh having the support that we do to make this all possible is a a dream for all of us at cx hairs and also at the wide angle podium all right that's about it let's talk some cyclocross We got Michael and Zach. It's the Media Pit, episode 281 of Cyclocross Radio. And we're doing it right now. We are back in the Media Pit. We got got a packed agenda here. We're going to talk about Northampton, a little bit about Neil. Let me see if I can... I'm I'm testing my pronunciation here. Bexabergen. Sounds good, and 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 then then some other stuff. Uh, but yeah, so I think I was gonna say I think everybody was home this weekend. But Zach, you were out there traveling. You couldn't. You just couldn't. You couldn't. You couldn't stay away from the from the in person cyclocross. <laughs> no, no. I had to get them bangers out. I can't. I and you know I think this is something that everyone can appreciate. I think there's these races right that become kind of like classics in a given scene or whatever. And so in Wisconsin, we had a race at Camrock, which is a park that we all ride mountain bikes at. We all go there to practice cyclocross. It's just like, it's not the best course, you know, it's, it's trails you ride around or whatever, but like, uh, the last time it was held in, was in 2016. And so this year, Nick Dahl, uh, he's a huge friend of, uh, everything we do. Uh, he decided he's going to bring it back. Uh, so he put on the race and earlier this year I had told him, I was like, I'm coming to your race. And so I, was like, I'm coming to your race. And it was awesome. It was really cool just to see uh, folks and I think lots of folks just remembering memories of racing at Camrock. It was just like this really, the vibes were so good. It was just like the, it snowed. It was like 38 and it snowed. This is like the vibiest day of like just the good vibes of why we love cyclocross and like, you know, I talked to Kristen Cooper and she's like, what else am I going to do with my life? I just come race cyclocross with my friends. Like that's, I think what, you know, what cross is for so many people. So for me, it was just this like amazing weekend. I also got to see CX Hairs Devo in action in different ways. Cause we had Daxton Mock race the elite race, but he was wearing his team USA kit. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but Scott Daubert, who does so much for, for the sport, he was, he was repping the CX Hairs Devo kit. And, uh, I kept calling him Strohmeyer. I kept calling him Dylan, um, but I, you know, I, Bill, I think it's a great kit and I think it's a Not testament Catherine. that, you know, truck folks want your, to support your team. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. It's awesome to have them out there racing in there and, uh, you know, we'll give, we'll give Dak some slack for, uh, wearing that team USA, uh, Jersey out there, but no, that makes me happy. It, it's, it's good to, to, um, get out there to, to those classic races and, and, and see that, uh, as, as much as we may want to, um, uh, talk about cyclocross's demise. It is actually uh, seems to still be going strong. Michael, any uh, any any New Orleans uh, racing out there? Was it uh, did it get down to like seventy five? Hey man, it was cold. Like I I I bailed on the uh, the Sunday ride because we had a wind chill. It was thirty one degrees, and uh, we we waited till Whoa. we waited till noon, and it it warmed up. Um, yeah, I think I, I had a had a War, warmed up to what? Warmed up to what? Forty five. That's that's legit okay. cold. Okay. That's, I 
I had on my booties and my full gloves, uh, rocking the full slack with the base layer because I'm very warm, very warm core person. Um, but I had to do some Zwift riding, Zach. I saw weekend. that. Welcome back. And so, Hello, darkness, my uh, old friend. Yeah, you. I can't wait to listen to the next Nowhere Fast because it's Zwift has completely changed. Um, so I don't know what I'm doing. You actually but, uh, missed like yeah. two font changes. They changed the font. Oh, did I? It was like, this yeah. font sucks. And they changed it on the next update. So you actually, you missed a font change. I did another Zwift. Do I need to Zwift ride this? Do today. I need to reactivate my account? I mean, it's actually much easier to, to work around now. And it's actually kind of, I don't know. There's like, you can now, like I used to have next to my trainer, a, a, a piece of paper with all the Zwift routes and handwritten down. And I crossed them off as I'd done them. And they, they now have that on Zwift and it tells you if you've done the route. It's like, thank God. Like that was like the one thing I wanted three years ago. And you guys finally done it. No, you should still keep the paper though. It's probably I, I, I like that. I like that kind of like analog. That's like that's how they used to race Zwift back in the day. <laughs> you know, it actually it actually well, was. They had to agree to like it was like we're going to meet at the this point, and then someone's going to say go on the chat, and then they race. That that's actually how Zwift racing started. I should point out everyone knows this. Uh, this GUI update was like six months ago, so that just tells you how long it's yeah, been I, since Bodie's been on. So. Let's all shake our fist like at Mr. Yeah. Mr. New Orleans. Yeah. And and you all would know that if, if you were subscribed to Newer Fast. The uh oh god, let me see if I can get it. Real bike racing on fake bikes? Is that it? Real racing on it? fake bikes. <laughs> ah, sweet. Excellent. Part of the wide angle podium. Go go check that out. Uh, yeah, let's 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 get into this. We should start with uh, Northampton, our longest running UCI cyclocross race in North America. Uh, I'd like to know. Uh, maybe Adam Myerson could tell us this. Like, I, I wonder where it is globally. Like, what the uh, what the streak is for that globally. Like, how um how many years you know where it is for all these classic races out there like the Nemours and stuff like that It'd be interesting to see uh but uh where do we want to start Zach what do you want what do you want to start uh, well, off well i mean i think i think the big story of of the weekend to me is the elite women's race on on day 1 uh you know, I, I appreciate Austin like uh, Killips. She's a huge fan and she supports everything we do and she listens to every podcast and uh, she drew some motivation, I guess, maybe in an interview. I don't remember, but I guess I suggested that, you know, after her, you know, we had kind of built her up as a favorite for Pan Ams and she came up a little bit short in that race, didn't finish on the podium there uh, and maybe I mentioned that. And so she drew that as motivation. So uh, she low key like Friday night slides into my my Instagram DMs and she just sends me this hilarious meme and she's like and this was before the race she's like this is my motivation and I was like so I didn't see this because you know I was busy and stuff and so my response was you owe me royalties like Austin and so we're gonna we're gonna sort that out at the end of the season look it's you know maybe we should just change it to the CX Harris bulletin board (laughs) right I mean just it's 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 serving its purpose. She's getting bulletin board material from the bulletin. That's that's, that's yes. perfect. Well, and I, you know, I I think that we like to, to treat it as a professional sport, and at times I think we are going to provide that bulletin board material, and so I appreciate it. You know, like she drew motivation uh, from it. It was a stacked field. I think we saw the whole kind of traveling circus just relocated over there. You know, we had Carolyn Mani, we had Raylan Nuss, we had Austin Killips, we had Lizzie Gonzalez and Lauren Zerner. And really cool, uh, we had Ava Holmgren racing in the elite race, which I thought absolutely ruled because, I mean, she has just been turning in, I mean, she finished third at Tabor. She finished third in a European World Cup and has been turning in these amazing results. And, uh, you know, Bill, I know that you've you've worked with her. I imagine that you were waiting to, to see this weekend to see what she can do against the elites. Yeah, they're, they're, that whole Stimulus Orbea team is is racing at the highest level right now between Ava, her sister, Isabel, and then um, also, uh, why am I blanking on Ian his Ackert? name right Gunner? now? Help me. Oh, oh Ian Ackert, oh. right? Yeah, Gunnar Holmgren, another, another member of the uh, Holmgren uh, clan that was in there, like uh, put his mountain bike to the side and uh, decided to go and uh, – get some get some results in in cyclocross but yeah the other result you know that both Holmgren sisters did as well that I think uh speaks volumes is they were top 10 in Co- in Copenhagen in the elite race you know, yeah I mean up there with 
everybody we're going to talk about in a few minutes uh, that's racing in the Elite World Cup, they were right there. So, um, yeah, really fun. It's going to be uh, a good buildup to Worlds. Uh, they have their nationals coming up as well. So we'll see who makes the trip out there and, and how the home grins uh, fare at nationals. But, uh, yeah, stellar result. We were – maybe somebody – we were having this pre – uh, record trying to figure out the rules on this. I guess we could go look up like the mandatory races that you have to have are a men's and women's elite in a UCI race. And then you have to have a men's junior race, which seems a little convoluted. And that's a discussion for another time for us cross. The thing that the pro CX has mandated is that since you have to have a UCI junior men's race per UCI rules, we're going to make sure you also have a UCI junior women's race. And we're trying to figure out if like the men, I don't think can opt out of that since it is a mandatory race, but maybe the women can. And that's why Ava was able to race in this elite race. So if you know the answer to that, let us know. If not, I'll go and try to dig into chapter five, our favorite. UCI regular. I mean, I do have to say, it has been a bit, Bill, since we've had Bill's Rules Corner, which is just one of, really one of the best things going in cyclocross media is when you dig into those rules. So I wouldn't be opposed to seeing it happen. <laughs> what do you think, uh, Bodie? Just uh, looking at this few highlights you saw and then these results, anything, anything, any other takeaways? I think Carolyn Manny, not sure. What if it's just end of the season or what's right. happening there? Also, Raylan Nuss, these are riders who are really just top of the top of the field week in and week out and kind of an off weekend for them. Yeah, you know, that was interesting. I texted you the podium of the women's race and you were like, oh, Caroline Money must have not been there. And I was like, no, she, w- she was there. Um, it looked like on Sunday there was a really good battle in the women's race where – uh, Raylan won and Lizzie was able to get second. Sound like some good teamwork happening. Um, waiting for those those highlights to come out um, and check out that race. But, you know, shout out to Georgia Gould racing, uh, getting 12th spot. Um, talking about <laughs> not having any points and having to work through the crowd. And maybe that was, uh, she was feeling fast. Um, so it's cool to see her racing again. Um, Going on the men's side, Bruner taking both days. It looks like in the video coverage I saw, Scott McGill was up there in the front again. And then I love that there's a highlight that I get to see. Scott McGill is looking down at his chain um, when he's coming down and run up. And then he just disappears from the highlights and he's, he's not on the podium. Uh, so, Scott, buddy, you, you got a few more races left to figure out, like, how to ride your bike, how to keep that chain on. Um, maybe you and Ellie easier beat need to sort of like do a little technical training. So I'm not going to, I'm not, yeah, I don't want to like, I'm not going to reveal my sources cause I don't know if this was on the record, but um, there's definitely, there's some talk of trying. Uh, so these riders, so Bruno rides a double, uh, McGill rides a double. Um, and, you know, we've talked about the gravelization of cyclocross bikes and, my understanding is that there's some issues with uh, fitting doubles uh, on these bikes. And so I think there's a story there, uh, you know, and I've asked, uh, you know, why doesn't Bruner just run a single? <laughs> and he, he likes the double. And I think, you know, he, you need that bigger gear, especially in Europe. You need to be able to switch between them. And, you know, that's what he feels uh, that he wants to ride. Um, so uh, kind of a story there uh, if you want to dig into it a, a little bit more. But it seems like, my understanding is it's a, a relic of the, uh, you know, the gravelization of our cyclocross bikes. Do you ride a double, Mr. Bodie, or do you ride a single? Well, uh, I always rode a double until I got a brand new specialized crux and it came as a single, although it does have little, uh, well, I don't know, washers to put a double on, but I think I might ride the same brand as Scotty. Yeah, go try to go, go, huh. go try to cram like a like a forty six thirty nine on there and see, do some research, and see what happens. I think I think I'm okay. I, I'm okay with the one buy. Uh, I'll, I think I'll make do. Uh, so I want to. I do want to. I do want to talk about the women's race a little bit more. So uh, I talked to Austin uh, prior to this show, and so that'll be up at the bulletin. Uh, if you don't already subscribe, you should check that out. Obviously, because 
you know, we're putting out that content. Uh, it sounds like it was actually a, a super dynamic race. And so it was similar. I, I was getting vibes to um, the the World Cup that we'll talk about, but uh, it was a tight group. I think uh, Austin was there. Ray Lynn was there. Lizzie was there. And Ava was there. So it was a group of four, you know, uh, Austin describes NoHo as the grass crit world championships, which isn't necessarily true, but you know, those are steep hills with the techie sections. Uh, and so Ava actually went and just decided to go uh, with one to go and came within like literally two corners of holding it off. Like Austin had to come, you know, charging back on the flats at the end and just barely beat her like two corners before the end of the race. But, uh, you know, it sounds like it was a super, super dynamic race uh, that we kind of missed out on, you know, and Austin was able to, um, you know, we've talked about her power. She was able to to take advantage of that. And it sounds like Ava just took a huge risk and came up, you know, sometimes you come up it's, it's like a road race, right? Like where you go and you come like, 1k before the finish from pulling off like the amazing victory or whatever it sounds like that's kind of what happened so uh yeah just sounded like it was a super dynamic race and i think you got some of that from the uh the coverage of the video at least you got to see kind of what was going on uh, i was hoping there'd be a shot of like ava just like sending it at the start of that last lap but it didn't happen i mean you gotta you gotta do that when you're young i, mean, I feel like that's such a perfect opportunity to sort of try every possible like thing you can do like you're racing up in this race and you are doing well, like send it. Like you said, Zach, she was so close. Yeah. And I think too, you know, it speaks to like, um, the different as a cyclocross racer, you have these different skills, right? And it's like maximizing and taking your advantage. And you could see on the video, like Austin talked about, you know, how she was kind of dangling in those tech sections. And so Ava was probably making the calculation, like I can open up time here. If I'm not going to win a sprint, (laughs) you know, at this point, I'm not going to win this sprint. And so probably made a calculation. Well, if I send it, maybe I can take advantage of those and hold on just for the end. And so it seems like to me, there's probably like a similar calculation that I would have made. Uh, so like you said, Michael, it's it right. It's awesome to see kit, young riders thinking about these things and thinking it through and, and sending it, you know, and still comes away with a second place in elite C2. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, so Ava, not the only junior, it looks like uh, Samantha Scott, uh, who finished 10th also has been racing in the UCI junior races on the women's side, uh, race the elites and uh good, good result for her as well. Uh, should we talk about day one, men? I mean, it looks like there was some slipping maybe on the women's side from our favorites. Uh, not really the case on the men's side. Kind of, kind of status quo here. Well, I mean, Gunnar Holgram, like I know the name, know the last name, seen him race before Pan Am's 2019 Midland, but hadn't seen him around domestic scene, uh, much this year. And he gets the podium, takes third spot. I was kind of surprised about that. Yeah. So not to skip over the status quo here, Eric Bruner taking the win and then, uh, Curtis, uh, in second, but yeah, uh, Gunner, I think, um, sure. So really, really rad. Only other races he's racing. I th- I'm pretty sure that he was in Europe racing his mountain bike, uh, weeks before this. I think when his sisters were in their race in cyclocross, he was in Greece and other places like that. Uh, doing the doing the mountain biking thing but yeah all came all came together here at uh in new england and interesting too like it it seemed like really rad and pan am's just kind of getting his cross legs under him ninth and 15th there and then just like shooting up to the podium so uh maybe maybe that's the grass crit part of it but it seems like he's a technical rider as well so uh i think that if he races the Canadian nationals. He may be one of the people who Michael Vandenham was talking about um, as, as possibly being a favorite since we know Michael is the second yes. favorite. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm excited to see Gunnar racing. I mean, I remember him. So him and Caleb Swartz were like nemesi back in the day. I remember seeing, he would come down to jingle cross and we seeing him race him and Caleb would have like these epic jingle cross battles back in like 2014. And, you know, Bill and the, uh, the media pit, Michael do the, the media pit for mountain biking, you know, we've seen him kind of go that direction. So it's cool, cool to see him racing cross. And, you know, uh, you've mentioned Canadian Nats a few times. Uh, this is, I feel bad for Vandenham. You know, for three straight years, he's been able to hold that jersey. He hasn't even had a race. 2020, got to hold the jersey. He didn't have to do anything. 2021, 
didn't do anything, got to hold the jersey. Uh, but I think this year he might be facing <laughs> perhaps his toughest test as the uh, you know in the years that he's been wearing that uh, Canadian champs jersey, and uh, he's in for a dogfight. He's going to have to earn it after three years of just getting the jersey. Like, uh, and did you guys see the? Uh, did you guys see that? really sick photo that put with the Canadian flag that he posted. It was like perfect. Like hope it's not his swan song, you know, like that was like his moment. Yeah. Danny, Danny Wong with the, uh, doing shooting the video and then also taking some, uh, nice photos as well. Gunnar Holmgren, your, uh, 2018 U 23 Canadian cyclocross champion. Yeah. I, I mean, so like, you know, with the elite men's race, I think our friends over at, uh, I don't know what they're calling themselves now, but Clam Bitch and Memes, they were playing up Salute Gate, which Bill, you were, you were all over Salute Gate. So it was, and it didn't seem like maybe we got the the spice. I did notice on day one, we did have we, the salute returned. Uh, so, you know, Curtis giving a shout out to his fan, uh, to the fans. And I, on the video, you could just hear every every cut was people yelling for him. So obviously a home race. And I think that we've seen with the kind of northeastern, the shift to the northeast of cyclocross this year. He's It's been a home race, uh, you know, kind of a bummer for him that he wasn't able to to get a win. But, you know, I, it was good. Salute gate was fun. It was good to have a little bit of uh, beef thanks to the instigator uh, off of that one. Day two, anything uh, mentioned here? We got in the men's side, Bruner. Holmgren moves up to second, beating Curtis White uh, by about 30 seconds on there. But Bruner really looks like he ran away with that race on the women's side. Little, do we, do we, did we have team tactics? We got uh, Raylan Nuss winning, Lizzie Gonzalez in second, Austin Killops in third. Uh, both those races looked like they weren't as dynamic, possibly, as first day. Bigger bigger gaps in those. those well, days. I know there was a plan, and uh, again, thanks to the coverage from the videos, like Raylan and Lizzie wanted to go one-two, and so that was their thing at the end. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, you could see, actually, it was really funny. You could see Raylan, you know, she she crossed, and she was just cheering like crazy, just stopped at the finish, because uh, Lizzie and Austin were sprinting it out, and she was just there going nuts, and it was awesome to see, and she was really excited. So, uh, it's really cool to see. I mean, it's cool to see um, that team and them get those good results. And to see, you know, Lizzie is a Northeast kid and to see her get two podiums, you know, as, a, as one of one of the younger riders in that field is really awesome. I mean, dear guy, I, we've, we've talked about how long Curtis White has raced know-how. I mean, <laughs> Lizzie was probably like six when she was doing the... Um, I know, Bill, you're not going to like this, but like when she was doing like the little Belgians race. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Someone fact check us on this one. How many times has Lizzie Gonzalez raced at NoHo? Because I'd be I'd be curious to to find out how many times that she's raced there. Zach, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it, Zach, and and you're gonna you're not gonna like this, but I, I want to say that kind of a statement race for Lizzie Gonzalez at NoHo didn't win. Uh, she also got second at um, King C1, but I feel like this was a race maybe maybe a little bit bigger field, and she held her own at the front of the race with the rest of the elite women and I'm calling what's the statement what's the statement she's making that I'm I'm here to fight for the podium okay right okay yeah okay that's fair to clarify I mean I believe it like many state many statements can be made lots of statements out there I mean look you know like Scott McGill makes a lot of statements on the course (laughs) (laughs) that's fair wait wait oh I don't want to move on because I, I do. I want, speaking of statements, I was was looking at uh, Bruner. He's uh, won five in a row right right now. Five races in a row, including the Pan Am Champions. Started with what the fourth at um, the World Cup. He had the ninth the day before. Kind of kind of running the table right now. Going into nationals, heavy favorite. I was wondering though about his his five win streak. I was like, that's that's a pretty good streak. That's a streak worth looking up to see who else is. You know, I'm thinking, okay, like who's had a five win streak? And surprisingly, I went back to 2009. No one has won. No no American male has won five races in a row on the North American scene. And you're probably saying, oh, hey, hey, hey J-Pow. J-Pow, he won like eight. Yeah, but J-Pow didn't race 
every day. No, he didn't. That was so, back when he only raced the C1s. Right. So he would skip. He would skip a C2. And that was also back when there were double weekends. So he wasn't. So this situation where, like, Brunner has raced every race. He's won five in a row. Who? Brunner. Okay. I said it the first time. <laughs> Sorry, Eric. Brunner. I know it's Brunner now. You're a Brunner. Anyway, just I think it's worth it's worth. So so this is so it, you you were saying races. So UCI races that happened. It, it, so it doesn't count if you take take the race off. Don't take the start. Right. You. So yeah, JPA had an eight eight win streak, um, but he didn't race every race that was available for him to to race. Um, Bruner has. It's been five of That's them. That's it, dude. That um, is that is some quality. That is some quality stats. Looking up, and I mean, it also just shows the level that Eric Brunner is at right now. I mean, that's impressive. Like, so, so this is like, so powers needs a name like that. You know, and you're like the tiger slam where they were like, Oh, but they were all, they were consecutive, but they weren't in the same season. So somehow that, you know, devalues what, what he's done. So I'm not necessarily saying it's a devalue of J pow. It's sort of you, it's a way of looking at like, this is a, a different achievement. Yeah. Yeah. Did you look at the women's side at all? Nope. We should go back and do that too. It'd be interesting. Just uh, just curious what the what the longest streaks of wins. So yeah, so Bruner, unprecedented already on highest uh, North American finish in a World Cup, coming up on that streak as well. Possibly already has it. Who knows? Uh, yeah. So he he's having a season. Oh, I did. I fact checked myself too. Lizzie Gonzalez, first race no ho, first year she could in 2012 at age nine. So is that little Belgium age? No, that's when you have your race. Uh, so she was a nine-year-old racing against 10 to 14. I guess, you know, her UCI her <laughs> cycle cross age was 10. It was 10 to 14. So, right, right. yeah. So she has uh, a long history. And I imagine that getting those results uh, at that race is probably really cool for her. I mean, again, going back to like just classic races, races you've always done to get results like that has to be pretty neat reminds me of like when katie keogh finished or when she won jingle cross first when she podium then won jingle cross was a race she had been doing since she was like nine so always cool to to, to see those little stories of of riders they're sticking with the sport and the the races have meaning should we talk a little bit about about not mine but your market cross and neil <laughs> Sandbags. What's your take? Everywhere. <laughs> I love this race. That, that's yeah. It, it, it was the Home Depot race originally. Uh, what's your What's your takeaway, Michael? Big takeaway from Neil is Alvarado. Big win takes the win. First win since 2021 Brussels. Um, statement. She's back. Well, so here's my um, question. So, like, I, 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 and we'll get to this other part. So, I did we did we declare her back after her second place at World Cup Waterloo? Did we? Did we officially? I don't. I don't okay, know. Did we, were we looking? Yeah, okay, because we... I was just wondering because on Twitter someone posed the question to you, uh, Bodie. Um, since you are the arbiter of all things uh, eliteness with a certain person, you were like, oh, I need more information. <laughs> but I, I, I just wanted to make sure because I was unclear if we had made that decision that she was back um but i will say you know marty uh doing doing the odd he 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 declared it he declared her back uh he said it i i think can we argue at this point i mean he said it is this but is this a is it uh, to play devil's advocate here is this a back because you can only race who's racing or are we able to actually compare who she's racing against? Her biggest competition is Denise Betsema, somebody who's won a ton of races, but only run one run one this year, which is Rudavorda. And again, a, a field that may not have been as strong as other fields with a World Cup the next day. So right. how do you all of the kids were not at this race. It's weird to say that uh, um, Alvarado, not a kid because she's, what, uh, 24? 24 racing age, yeah. I mean, I, the, funny you talk about the old, there was a really, there was a genuine pony camp, Sonicant fifth, leading Manon and, and Marion and uh, Anik who beat her. But yeah, that's, that's a, my thought was, if you're Alvarado, and you've got that second place at uh, was the Trek World Cup, 
and you're having a stronger season, you need like if you are someone who is moving up in your trajectory and and, and gunning for you know to be back to where you were, you got to win Neil. You got to win this race. Like the you have to be the rest of these riders. Um, and she did it. So good for her. And, you know, it's good to see. What percentage is four out of 11? That's her OPP. That's, oh man. Uh, that's four, 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 four. 38. That, isn't that, yeah. 44%, I think. No, that's four out of nine. Don't. Is that a good Sorry, one? I don't know. It's harder when it's 11. <laughs> it's Their 30, point, you're the math guy. Come on. 09, 09 per one. So multiply that by four. <laughs> So I, so that's her that's her OPP. Is that good? No. Four out of eleven. Is that is that back? Ooh, Bill, I Bill, uh, yeah. Bodie, like Bill is bringing the stat the facts. Bill just bringing the stat facts. I love facts. it. Oh man, Bill is Bill says Bill says he doesn't care about our feelings. He says the OPP <laughs> doesn't care about our nostalgia for two years ago when Alvarado was top of the heap. And now we've moved on. I, I hope she's. I hope she returns to be top of the slag heap. But right now, maybe, maybe not there yet. She's not gonna. I'm sorry. Like the writing is on the wall. Like the next generation is already here and filling up the podiums on Sunday. Like it's just. Yeah, you get you get your your generations. Like women's cycle across generations are like three yeah, years. It's insane. I mean, we see a little bit of this on the road scene, right? It's like. Um, I'm, I'm, God, Bernal going to win a bunch of tours, hurts himself. Pogachar going to win a bunch of tours, you know, then he loses uh, to Vingengo. It's just, it's kind of these younger riders, Remco, you know, and like who's next? And like we see it in the women's side in Cross. Yeah, Bill, it's just like the the immense talent that's happening over there is, uh, I mean, it's it provides for great racing. Which is funny because we, I, I don't think it's like, at this point, it's necessarily gender specific either because we saw it on the men's, you know, look, we, we had a, you know, generational Wout and Machu and then even Pidcock showing up and they were all kids, right? You know, you had Lars Vanderhard like crushing things 10 years ago as a kid. Uh, so I think it happens on both sides. It's just, it's just kind of, we haven't seen that next wave on the men's side and the women's side. It's just like, oh God, every couple of years, another group. It's just insane. I, I was talking about, um, you know, Femme Van Empel being this generational rider and then also, you know, we'll get to it. And then Puck also being a generational rider and sort of not even being talked about because there's a better generational right. rider in front of her, you know, which is just nuts. And then, you know, we'll get to the World Cup and then you have Sharon Van Anroy there as well, all of them the same class. So it's just, yeah. Just, so can we, I mean, I it's way too soon, but can we do yes. this? I mean, we've got a new big three. <laughs> like, I feel like, I feel like, but Van Empel is, Van Empel is Va- Vanderpool. <laughs> Petersa uh, is Wout <laughs> and Van Anroy is Pitters. I, <laughs> and we're going to lose all of them to the road. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but like Petersa cannot beat Femme Van Empel. Like, I mean, she did worlds, but right now, like in the race, like what she just tail gunned the whole last lap. She had nothing like she can't. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Let's, let's put a, let's put a quick pin in that. Uh, anything, you know, I think the thing worth mentioning at Neil on the men's side, talk about being back, Michael, or is this talking about being, we can't do that yet. Let's say that for the more. Let's make sure people, because everyone wants that discussion. Lawrence Sweck, (laughs) Lawrence Sweck won this race. Lars Vanderhaar was second. Michael Van Toren out third. Ailey Ezerbeet fourth. Unlike the women's side, this was kind of a warm-up race, a preview of what we were going to see uh, the, the next day. The only the only difference being, I guess, Joris Newhouse didn't race. And he will come into play Shout out at the World Cup. To Witze Musen, fifth place, uh, the Van Ternau doppelganger um, in the red shirt uh, strong race at Neil. Just, just want to note that. Uh, so the thing about Neil, uh, you know, we have this race for that Lauren Sweck has now won two out of the last three years. He finished second. He finished seventh last year, which was an off year, but then second the year before. 
I feel like this course was literally invented for Lauren Sweck to win the bike race. I mean, there is a th- just thick and one it's, it's got short ups. It's not super climby. It's a power course. Like the, the, the inclines are power sections. Uh, sometimes it's They're got big. deeper mud sections, but there is a very deep, thick sand pit literally right before the finish, 45 seconds or a minute before the finish. Like if Lawrence Sweat gets to the sand pit first and like he's racing well, he's going to win the race. And that's what he did two years ago. And that's what we he did here. I feel like they just, he was like, you know, you know, it's like in baseball, how, you know, they lower or raise the mound or whatever, depending on who the pitcher is going to be. I feel like they just were like, Lawrence Sweat's like, hey guys, can we, you know, works with the construction company, the Home Depot. <laughs> I was like, can we get a sand pit right before the finish? Yeah. I mean, I, I won't, I, I guess I'm not, I won't talk about his OPP yet, but let's put a pin in that as well. Uh, so we, so we move on to the world cup, have that discussion Two just incredible races. I mean, what a, what a great day of racing. Nobody complained about the track. It's another one that we hadn't seen, but really, Good looking course. I think it had a lot, lot to offer. Just insane sand sections. The sand, but not really. I think one of those sand sections that you had to do correctly and you had to get through it. If you got off your bike, you were kind of done. But for the most part, at least at the top of the race, no one really getting off their bike, able to to do it cleanly. But it was definitely something that you had to keep your eye on, and they were just powering through every lap. But I, I, I liked it. I love the, I love the course, and we got to. Uh, two bangers out there as far as races go where where should we start which uh which race should we let's let's start with that women's race let's start with the uh so should we talk team tactics were there team tactics because i mean there was a there was a major alpeson uh thing that occurred that really probably influenced the the outcome of this race i mean what are your guys thoughts on on alvarado's bobble are you talking about Refresh. She when she went down on the corner. She was in the front with them, and she went down. So the in corner. lap three, Peterson was on the front. Alvarado was second wheel, and Fem was stuck in third. Peterson goes through. Alvarado just like dabs, and Peterson gets three seconds, and she just attacks. And she was off the front for. She was off the front till the end of lap four. So, so you're saying team tactics in the like road classics cobbled classics let the leader go through and then i'm gonna crash on the climb and hold everybody yes. back. I, mean, that's what, I, I don't think it was intentional but it served that purpose and you know you saw where van empel eventually had she had to peters was out there for a good chunk of time and van empel had to really put in an effort you know there was that when she finally closed it it was like there there's that one power section in all the twisties and she was just like oh i'm just gonna close this and was there in like two seconds but um you know, I think you saw it going into that last lap and how that last lap played off. It seems like Fem Van Empel was not the invincible force that she had been really all season. Right. And I and I think that's inter- one other thing that's interesting is that be seen, we've seen Puck go early before and we've seen her not be able to hold it. So it's one of those things where is like Fem didn't sort of react immediately, right? It was sort of a, it was a long drawn out pull her back sort of a way to sort of keep your pattern dry and i'm wondering if some of that what she was thinking was like okay she'll do this and then she dies so i just gotta like keep her in sight and just in you know reel her in slowly and um i thought maybe that was sort of the way femme was playing that chase that's a that's a good point uh it did seem like to me that she did eventually have to expend some energy uh but meanwhile yeah Sheeran Van Anroy, I don't know. There's got to be a meme here. I don't know what the correct meme is, but like she's just kind of like hanging out there and starts to come back. And so in lap five, both Van Empel and Peter Sub, because they're going against each other, they let Van Anroy come back. Do you think they have regrets? <laughs> they, they let her come back. Yeah, that, I, I guess that's the question. And it sort of had a little hint of this on on the commentary for the broadcast as well is like has everybody just forgotten about Sharon Van Anroy was she sort of the the third wheel here and nobody was 
paying attention to her because even once she got back on there and it was a, a, a three woman race with one to go, you know, sort of doing the let's let's all sit up on the the straight and think about this for a second. And Van Anroy uh, was having none of that and attacked on the starting straight, which is. One of my favorite moves to see. You don't see it all the time. It's usually like this little detente, and I love it. And she got this gap, and the other two were still just looking at each other. Like, and it was it was kind of crazy. And I don't know if that was disrespect for what Van Anroy could do. I don't think so. They've all been racing with her long enough. But what, Michael? Well, let's break that down. It's a really interesting moment there, right? Because like she finally claws her way back. They're at the start, finish straight. Apparently, Sheeran heard from. Uh, Sven, he told her to, you know, attack when he gets there, but not, but don't, don't attack on the road because they'll be able to close it down. She attacks anyway, just kind of thinking back to Ava in Northampton, just like sending it, like you got it. But she comes up and she sees them kind of sit there. They're both looking around. It's like, that's, that's the time to go. Such a brilliant move by Sharon to go there. And what's interesting then is then you get the look from femme to puck, like puck back to femme, Femme fake, like kind of goes and then sits back down. And if I'm, I think if I'm Puck, I'm like, why would I chase? You're in the white jersey. You've won all these races. Like, you're the big boss. Like, I went earlier. I don't know. I just I thought that was a really interesting moment there. Zach, do you have any thoughts on that little, that do you, little do you, section? So it, it, you're right. It was a brilliant move, but they were so sitting up like Van Anroy, she, she stretches out her legs and she just winds this thing up. Like, you know, she gets out, she puts in like five pedal strokes and this explodes. But there was a moment like Van Ep- Do you think Van Empel has regrets that she because she could have closed that down and changed the race? Yes. Four pedal strokes. She could have. She could have closed. She could have changed the dynamics of this race. Not four, but a small effort. This let her go. It was like, yeah. What she? Because once she got off the straights, once she got into the those power sections where Van Enroy is is was strong, uh, it was much harder to to close that gap. In fact, Van Empel couldn't. And then when they got to the sand, it's like Sheeran. It was like this whole new confidence. It seemed like because she just rode that. Bill, I'm so glad you anyone. brought that up. I thinking about this and I owe a lot of this credit to to listening to to Jeremy Powers talk about it. This was really kind of like a two-part course. The beginning had this wide open power straights and it just got like really turny and and stuff and he talked a lot about the speed limits and going back to what you said Michael, the brilliance of this move is that she was able to open up 6 seconds on these power straights like and then there's nowhere there was nowhere to close that gap. If she just kept riding well, there was nowhere for Van Empel to put in a big dig because there were speed limits on every corner. Like the brilliance of what Sheeran Van Anroy pulled off was just like monumental. And I really credit to Jay Paws for pointing that out. And it just clicked on me seeing the overhead shot of like there was so much room. Like, you know, like you said, Bill, like it was it was brilliant. That like second to last corner, third corner, like out of the sand, I think she had two seconds on Femme. Just, I mean, it came down like Femme, there was like through the pit, I think you could hit the power and Femme did. And like she just had that enough gap that she could keep it. And once she got back to that start, finish straight, I mean, Femme was, Femme was coming, but like she had enough and oh, such a banger. Beaks it banging. Yeah, she 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 closed it all the way down to the point. I mean, Van Enroy again, great sprinter. You know, got that that road racing uh, pedigree, and and it it took her. You know, she posts. You're posting, and I know that everything gets compressed, but she posts up, and uh, Fem's coming. Yeah. You know, it was <laughs> it was almost the same time finish. It's a it's a second you know gap on the on the results, but it was like. I I think she was the the post up was fine and and she was secure in the win but it wasn't like it was it was going to do much but I think also the the thing I liked about Van Anroy is I was talking about those sand sections where everybody was riding but still it was still something you could get wrong and she was just super smooth super confident and not really making any mistakes in that in that final in that final lap it really for me it was it was almost a Tom Pidcock at Havre type situation where this is my chance. Now I just got to make it stick and, and get that win. And, and she did it. And uh, yeah, so I don't want to discount what she did. I think that she she beat the best women in the world. She beat, I, I mean, I, I'm 
I called Fan, Fan Van Empel in the last, um, in the European heat check, I did the best cyclocross racer in the world right now. And I think that, I think that sticks. So beating her is, is huge. And I don't know. I, 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 you can talk about it. It came down to her worrying about Peterson too much and, and discounting Van Anroy. But I also think it's like Van Anroy just, uh, race a perfect race. And if, you know, and I think that's that, that Bowaz Trek kind of like tactical racing that you see. And if, if, if Sven is helping coach her and kind of telling her the places to, to go and even <laughs> maybe she's ignoring that and doing her own thing. It's still, at least she has a strategy in mind. And, and for here, she took that gamble and it paid off. And it was, it was, it was a really, really exciting. If you haven't seen this race, go back and watch yeah. it. It's a- go back. It's so good. The whole race actually is good. You can watch the highlights on flow bike, the last lap, but just go watch the whole race. Um, that venue, new venue. Like I think something I've learned now is like, it's really hard to judge a venue by the broadcast until you've been there. But just in terms of a spectator's point of view from watching on my laptop, loved it. A lot of good camera angles, a lot of good racing. Um, you know, I saw, I'll save this point for after the men's race and like perfect light you know uh bulletin yeah european yeah. correspondent uh ethan glading he had a photo yeah. and i was just like yeah. oh my god it was a photo of swack and he's like dude it was the perfect day <laughs> so now before we leave the women's race i, I like to talk about the streaks fem van apple Gets second, ends her six race winning streak. Talking about Eric, uh, Bill, her OPP is 80%. She's won eight out of 10 races. That's an elite OPP. Um, but I was also like, okay, six wins in a row, pretty good. On the Euro side, I feel like I would find, I was like, how long has it been since we'd had a woman uh, dominate like this? It was last year. Uh, it was listening to Brand, who won, I think, like eight or nine in a row. And I was like, Okay, well then, what was the next longest streak that? Well, that was Vanderpool, and I think in 1920 he won, you know, that insane mountain. So, and just, just, but to look at these streaks, I don't think Ellie has put together Ellie Ezerbeat has put together a streak like that. Um, I don't think Alvarado had a streak like that during her good season. Maybe she, maybe she did close, but like talking about Femme, talking about the next generation being here, like she's got the stats, she's got the racing, like yeah. We have to do uh, just a mid-pod correction. Uh, her her FWP, the FEM winning percentage is 80%. Her OPP is 1,000. A, a Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, her, her her worst finish is still second. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's Vanderpolian, right? Like when Vanderpolian, how many races? I don't even remember what the number was, but he had like won 60 or 70 or something. He had row, won 48 out of 50 races or something like that. It yeah. was insane. <laughs> she still could do that. For sure. All right, Michael, we're finally here. Let's uh, let's talk about the second. How sweet! It doesn't sound as good when you say it like that. You have to say this weekend. You got to right? say this weekend. Yeah, we just got to say it. Yeah, I mean, because I want to say how course. sweet how sweet it is. Like it just what what a weekend. Yes, the, uh, let's get the big question on everybody's lips on Twitter: Is Sweet Elite? Yes. He's finally made it. He's at least <laughs> sit down, Joe Flacco. <laughs> I mean, it's hard. <sighs> yeah, I, you could tell me he's not. I could entertain an argument for him not being elite, um, but I I feel like I'm looking at his stats here. I mean, my my always thing is like, do you think if a rider? Every weekend, do you think this rider has a chance, a high chance of winning a race? And when Squeak lines up this season, I always think he has a chance of winning a race, and I think that's elite. Oh, he's a topper, for sure. You know, he's out of that sub-topper echelon, and he's a guy, yeah, that, that can win, and he's he's been able to do it. And it's not like people are having an off day. He's, he's up there fighting at the front. He's making moves. He's dynamic racer. His as I said, was going to say before, is OPP nine nine out of eleven, whatever percentage that is, and his his other two results are fourth places. So his wide angle OPP is a hundred percent. No, no, no lower than fourth all season long. That that is something that we have not seen from Lauren Sweck in the past. You know, I I used to always joke about him just kind of like putting him, you know, putting on putting the c- cigarette down and going out there like, okay, fine, I guess I'll I'll race and and 
you know, maybe we're just making this into a narrative that doesn't exist about the culture or his position on that sauces team, but it, it certainly seems like he's a reinvigorated racer and doing stuff that he didn't either have the opportunity to do or just wasn't willing to do when he was on that Powell Sausen team. Yeah, to me, it's interesting that, you know, we did the the sauce dramedy and talking about it for so long and Sweck being freed. And we're like, something needs to change in the uh, the preseason, <laughs> whatever we want to call it. Like this dynamic just isn't working from being interesting. And Sweck, the, the resurgence of Sweck has made this season infinitely more interesting. We have four guys uh, that can win races right now and they've been trading off winning races like you don't know which of those guys is going to win and like Sweck you you have a rooting interest in like Vanderhaar is always going to be the people's champ like Ailey's still there everyone loves Van Turner like you have all of a sudden by it not just being three sauces it just seems like people have more of a rooting interest in like this field it just is way more interesting to me this year with what's going on we saw this in this race you know it was great we had Joris Neuenhaus was the fifth guy there like we had a we had a straight up just a a banger of a race uh, between five guys and it was awesome hello Neuenhaus you know we we had a long string for a while and they get the big cheers at the back of the race of the foreigners with beards <laughs> but now we actually have like a a legit beard at the front of the race with with Neuenhaus. So that's a that's a whole different dynamic that he's uh he's bringing to cyclocross. But yeah, he was he was good. He was he was he was kind of our dangler there uh for a while. And okay. So how this this is the first thing I want to get out of the way. So how this race went down is is you basically had Sweck, Vanderhaar, Van Torn out were probably the the three strongest. Ailey we can talk about Ailey. I don't know what's going on with Ailey. I feel like at some points he's forgotten how to race his bike, a lot of like pedal strikes and just like coming in and out of ruts and just not smooth. Like the power's still there yeah. and he was able to close it down and get back on there, but it seems like so many matches burned on just making mistakes from not racing smooth. So anyway, he's like dangling as well and there's... <laughs> I know I didn't say I said I wasn't going to go to commentator corner, but this is just this is killing me. This one thing is killing me. This this was uh, Newhouse is on the front and he's trying to close the gap, and Ailey Ezerby like is on his wheel, and Jeremy Powers says, "I love you, Jeremy, but I I just want to know where you got where, where how you got in the head of these riders." He said that Lars Vanderhaar turned and gave Newenhouse a look and said to him, don't bring this guy back here. And then as soon as that look happened, Newenhouse like dropped behind Ezerbeat and then Ezerbeat had to do the work. Is We talk about team tactics. Is this telepathy actually happening <laughs> on this team? Are they that good? And is Powers that good? He is. He's the best. That he's able to read that. And, and give it to us as as um, viewers. Well, Michael and I both talked about this because I heard that and I just did rewind, rewind, rewind. I was like, where did this occur? I was like, I didn't see it. So I'm glad that you noticed. Um, yeah, I was like, I, I don't know. But uh, but maybe it's I'm spitballing here. Maybe it's like he's been racing on the road. Maybe it finally occurred to him like, wait a second, literally, what am I doing? Right. It's, it's funny because it's also like, We've Newenhouse has raced before across, but he's he's been a middler. This is the first time he's actually been at the front and sort of been a part of the show. Um, and and like Lars, maybe it was like, oh, oh yeah, oh wait, hang on, Lars, you're up there. Let, let me let you chase it down. You know, he was sending vibes. He he got the vibes. Regardless of all of that, and. Ailey's able to make it back after burning all those matches. We got Michael. We got, I think with one to go, right? Isn't it Sweck that's out there and sort of takes control? And then Van Tornout's able to get in front of him. And then he's really dictating that final lap. And for that part we were talking about, you know, you were talking about that second half. In the non, like, straight up open power Parts, I think it still was a power course because Van Tornout and Sweck, I think are two of the strongest power guys, 
were so smooth on that part. Like they come through all those little turns in the, in the ruts and they come through the sand and they're super smooth. And you see kind of Lars and Ailey behind them who are kind of struggling to, to get on there and, and stay with it, which to me meant it was coming down to those two. I mean, is that, is that how you read that? I didn't see Lars. I didn't see Ailey really in that last lap as, as being part of this finale. Lars is there, but I just, I just think that, and Lars was, Lars was second on Friday. Um, this is Billy, you pointed out, this is the first weekend. I think no sauces won, um, men or women. Um, but yeah, I mean, my comment when, when, um, uh, squeak one was like that he was doing the best 40 time in the Dutch NFL combine. He just, he came out, I mean, like he's a big guy and just, just the way he came out that last corner and, and, and blew all their doors off. But, but Lars was, was able to get around Mikey V. Um, and to your point, Zach, yeah, I just, this course on Friday and this course today, like, you know, there's not, I can't say there's something in the sauce because he's not riding for that team or, but, but the way that, 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 that Sweek is riding is just, confident and strong and incredible and i just want once again want to say like it's amazing what a good mental space will do to to a bike racer and it, we're seeing it right now yeah it's the old adage that uh, a happy racer is a fast racer and we're seeing it uh but bill you you were we were chatting via text before doing this podcast about the sprint bill i want i want to hear i want to hear your take on that sprint and how that went down van Tornout comes around the last bend and I think he looks to his right and does not, he doesn't, he doesn't shut down the barriers. So he leaves a gap between himself and the barriers, looks to his right for Sweck. He's not there because he's on the left shooting by him up, up the barriers to take the lead. And, and even after he's gone, like Van Tornout's still looking behind him. And it just, I just didn't know what was going on here. It, was, it seemed like he was like waiting to lead out Ailey in the sprint. And I, I don't know what's in Mikey V's head right now. I want him, I want him to figure this out. I don't know if this was like the ghost of Copenberg cross where the, almost the exact thing happened. He was leading the last final lap. He's going up the hill. He looks to it. And at least he saw him there and he sees Lars Vanderhaar almost gives him a little chuckle, like, ah, oh, great. And then Vanderhaar just like scoots by him and goes, goes on for the win. He never even, it seemed like Sweck won and he just kind of, caught him by surprise it was it was an odd and maybe it was just what you're saying michael i think mean, sweck was just that much stronger but it's kind of funny like because even vanderhoor was able to get by uh van torn out again yeah but it was really it was just like looking the wrong way and then just still looking he may be still looking now <laughs> and these uphill finishes play into sweck i mean i just remember him out sprinting i think it was alien the 2020 race at neil which is an uphill finishing sprint and it's that right combination of uh, like I, I think anyone who's like a, a, a bigger rider knows that like there's that right like two three percent slope where your power still is effective before mm-hmm. the incline mm-hmm. really shuts <laughs> you down. And when you're a powerful person, you get that incline. You're able to if you're really good. If you're a diesel rider like him, it's just the optimal conditions and two uphill sprints. I mean, it was inevitable that Sweck was going to win those. I he made no effort to pass Van Turnout that entire last lap. He was probably just like, you know what? I'm just going to wait, like stick on his wheel. And Van Turnout did himself zero favors, as you so excellently described. Well, going into that, though, he has to know that he's not the sprinter, right? I mean, he I, he does look back a few times. And one, I think he, it's like, yeah, old habit, looking back for Ellie, but also looking back like, well, am I going to get third? Like, can I hold on to third or is Ellie coming? And Ellie is actually is kind of coming. And he's thinking in his head, like, come on. Like, I can't, like, I got to be able to beat this guy once, you know. But, yeah, the, the, in that sprint, like, Lars, Sweek, Michael, you're, you're picking Michael last every time. One note on Lars Vanderhaar, which, which I love. And this is, this is, this is the, just the power move of power moves. When you lose your jersey, you lose your European championship jersey, and you're like, 
no worries, I finally get to wear my Dutch national <laughs> jersey. I mean, how cool is that? So now he gets a couple of weeks, you know, hopefully he'll win it again and then he'll, you know, be able to wear it for the whole year. But it, it's so great. Like the guy doesn't ever have to go back to the trade team kit. Just like take off the Euros underneath, got the Dutch national champ on. Perfect. I like it too because he, he went back to all black bibs. So that looks way better. Also, you have Mikey V in the Euros jersey, and then you've got um, Ellie in the World Cup leaders jersey. So we're spreading them around. We're getting the colors out there. I like it. It's like the USCX. They're spreading the jerseys around. You know, Bruner got the Pan Ams, Curtis got the USCX. Uh, but it's also to that point, it's weird seeing Lucinda Brand in her trade kit. Like, right. <laughs> when's yeah. the last time we saw that? It's been a while since yeah. we've seen that, too. We've gotten so used to seeing her in some sort of white jersey. So if, if we're spreading it all around, is this now, are we putting early odds on Sweck winning worlds? Huh. Given that I know at least Wout is racing, I would say uh, I'm going to put it at zero. Oh, wow. Do do we, huh. is this a good segue into the Galacticos and their, their return, or do we have more on this race? No, let's talk about it. We got it. It's, it's, it's upcoming. Well, I, well this is my, my point I wanted to make is that, the, yeah, the news is coming. The dates are dropping. We got Pidcock coming next week. Wild's coming at the end of the month. You know, but it's it's the buzz, right? The buzz is bringing for the Wout Mist, the Pitters Palooza, Vander Polstis. But like, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see them race again. You know, have the world champ, love Wout, but like, kind of like what I got going on right now in the men's field. Like, there's some really good racing happening right now. So like, sure. It's cool, but I want to like appreciate what we've seen these last few weeks with 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 Sweet winning, with Lars being there, Ellie not being able to do it. Like it's just been good stuff. So this is earlier going through the Pidcock was Bohm last year, December fourteenth. So we're getting him a couple weeks earlier. I feel like Wout came back sooner. His Last year. first race was during Pan Ams because I remember because Bodie and Emily and I all watched it together in our hotel room in Garland. That's right. So uh, he, he that was like the first weekend. That was Boom, right? That was the first weekend. Oh, because Pan Ams was in December last year. Pan Ams was later. Yeah. So he's, first weekend he's kind of December. on course. Yeah. Uh, and then, but Vanderpool, his short-lived, what was his first Was his Zolder. first race? No, it was um, Dendermonda. What was the date? Uh, December 26th. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, and so we're good. Well, and I know like Wout, even with, you know, what he's doing on the road, like he's racing worlds this year. He's doing, he's running it through and he's going to do worlds. So, um, you, you have to assume Vanderpool's racing worlds too. It's yeah. like, it's his race. You know, he, if he's healthy, we don't know. I, that's, that's yeah, the weirdest that's We just thing don't know what's like, going we on. We literally him, right? know nothing we know nothing about where Vanderpool is going to be at. I we don't know where Pitcock is either. Yeah, because he's been talking about being burnt out and just the stress. Well, also that his knee. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's wild after all of like the health stuff that Wout went through. He's the healthiest of, of those of those three. That's just going to be an interesting return. I, I, just, I, I mean, I think you're right with him racing. He's always going to be the favorite, and it's just – I, 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 Michael, I, I'm with you. I like what we have going on now. I, this is, I'm really interested to see what the, what the barometer is versus the, the level of play that we're at. That's always, right. That's always kind yeah. of a, the, the deflating thing where you're like, Hey, this is really cool. And then these guys come in and there's a minute gap back to the people who have been racing week in and week out. So yeah, I guess we'll, we'll get a little taste of that again. What if Ailey is? What if Ailey is truly rope doping here, just <laughs> racing like oh. you know instead of peaking? Dude, this is the year. Uh, I don't know. I, maybe he's rope doping. True. I mean, or like, maybe he's just in a lot of trouble. It's one of those two. <laughs> his slide usually comes a bit later, and his he seemed to have slidden uh, earlier this year. So, yeah. I mean, I'll tell you where Vanderpool is. He's in Spain uh, <laughs> right now. Here, here's the here's just to go back to your point, Zach. Here's where I think that may not be the case. If you look, and this is a change from what we've seen in the past for this time of the season, if you look at the 
World Cup standings, Lauren Sweck is at 162 points, which is four points behind Ellie Ezerbeet. So we could see next weekend a changing of the jersey. Whoa. And it'd be weird because we'd see Ailey in his trade kit. <laughs> like when we in a World Cup. When's the last time we've seen him in a his trade kit? Um in a World Cup. Although as I think as maybe my friend was pointing this out, like in the last X number of years, they've been exactly two Belgian national <laughs> champions. So that jersey hasn't really you know, hasn't really been in play for really anyone, but wow. And that one sweet, sweet, glorious year. <laughs> yeah. Which wasn't even glorious. Cause he didn't even get to wear the thing because there were no races, which he's, I think still bitter about. Uh, all right. I, I think we, we've, we've done it maybe anything else in there to add for the comebacks or anything, yeah. any other news we want to cover? Yeah, very. I want to start this. I want to start a campaign and I think that the listeners should get active on social media with this um, and really tag this writer and call him out. I saw in the post-race interview with Lars that he could grow a beautiful mustache. And they're like, when's the last time we've had a really good mustache in the cyclocross field? Um, I know there was like that guy, Hot Sauce. Canadian guy, ghosts of Vandermeer mustache, but Lars, grow that thing out. Grow that, grow that snore out for your fans. I want to see it. Okay, so Lars, grow a mustache. What's I mean? Do, do we have like a, a fancy Lars like, uh, Van snore or something? Lars Van no Vanderhaar. Van, you need to workshop snar, this. But the snore, snore needs to be in. Snore Vanderhaar. Snore Vanderhaar. Okay, there it is. Let's do this. Hashtag Snore Vanderhart. All right. This was a fun one. Uh, we got uh, North Carolina Grand Prix coming up this weekend, the last domestic UCI race, and uh, a lot more on the international scene as well. So we'll see you all next week. Folks. Back before we started talking about privateers and lifetime adventures and aero bars, Swift Racing was there as the meme discipline we all love to mock. And while the meme machine has moved on to gravel racing, Swift Racing is still here. Nowhere Fast is the virtual racing podcast you didn't know you needed. It's a real podcast about real racing on fake bikes. Join host Kevin Bouchard-Hall, Mike Swart, and me, Zach Schuster, for interviews, takes from inside the Zeloton, virtual racing coverage, and of course, cheating. Download Nowhere Fast at the Wide Angle Podium website or listen on your preferred podcast app. You can come for the KBH stories and stay for the semi-serious discussion of real fake racing and like ride on or whatever.